The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we finish up with chapter 8 of the book of Revelation, and we move into chapter 9. We've already seen that immediately after the seventh seal was opened, there was silence as the prayers of the saints ascended up before God. Now, we begin to see the other results of the opening of that seal. We see seven angels with seven trumpets beginning to blow their trumpets. Join us today as we begin to see the judgments that arise from the blowing of these trumpets. Once again, due to the length of the sermon and the desire to post the sermon in its entirety, we won't have a song, but we'll go straight into the message. Before we continue in the book of Revelation where we left off, I want to make this observation. We've reached a point in the book where it may be difficult to keep it organized in your mind. In light of that difficulty to keep things organized, I hope this will be helpful. In the fifth chapter of Revelation, we read about a book in the right hand of God who sits on the throne in heaven. The book is sealed with seven seals. Jesus is the only one worthy to open the book. As he opens the first four seals, we read about four horses, each of a different color. The four horses illustrate how God sends judgments on the wicked, oftentimes to protect his people. The opening of the fifth seal reveals the souls of God's children in heaven. And here's one of the verses. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? In answer to their cry, when the sixth seal is open, 
The day of God's eternal wrath on the wicked is revealed. And here's one of the verses. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Then, you remember, we read in chapter 7 a description of all of God's elect in heaven. You remember the 144,000 and then a large group of people out of every nation, kindred, and tongue under heaven. And here's a verse near the end of chapter 7. They cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Notice that the opening of these first six seals takes us from God's involvement in this world to His final judgment on the wicked and the eternal deliverance of His children in heaven. This description of the second coming of Christ illustrates my point that Revelation gives us different perspectives of this last bit dispensation of time between the first and second comings of Christ. Otherwise, this would be the end of the book. Chapter 8 begins with the opening of the seventh seal. And this is what we looked at last time. And we see seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints on the golden altar which was before the throne of God. And you'll remember this, I'm sure. The smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Evidently, God's children on earth are crying out for deliverance from their enemies because the angel took the censer that had contained the incense and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. This is a depiction of judgment. Now as we continue in the 8th chapter tonight, I want to make this interesting observation. The opening of the first four seals reveals heaven's temporal judgments upon the earth and the opening of the last three seals reveals heaven's response to the longing of the souls in heaven and the prayers of the saints on earth. Now we will learn that the blowing of the first four trumpets also reveals heaven's temporal judgments on the earth, but the last three trumpets Describe how the demons from the bottomless pit are involved with the affairs of this world. Simply stated, the opening of the last three seals illustrates heaven's involvement with the affairs of this world. And the blowing of the last three trumpets illustrates hell's involvement with the affairs of this world. 
Now that's why I want to give you this information because I know that's a lot of information. But we've covered all of that. But I thought that was necessary to refocus our minds on where we're at in Revelation chapter 8. Now last time the seventh seal was opened and you remember there were those prayers of the saints mixed with the incense that we just read about here. And so we begin tonight in chapter 8 and verse 7, or rather verse 6. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. They were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. Now you'll notice several places in Revelation that you will see expressions like this when it says the third part of the trees was burnt up. Not all the trees, not even most of them, but a significant portion. Now the idea there is that God sends temporal judgments, as we've said many times, oftentimes on the wicked, and I believe that's what's under consideration here, to deliver and protect His people. And notice as we read about these first four trumpets, that it's going to be very concise as it was with those first four seals under which there was those four horses. Now this first angel that sounded, look what the result was. There followed hail and fire mingled with the blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. So this judgment shows us how God can destroy vast portions of the earth. A third of the trees were burnt up and all the grass. And as we've said many times, this is symbolic language. The idea is how God can send judgment and destroy the trees and other things that grow on the land. That's one of the ways that God sends judgment. You remember those different, those four different colored horses that each one represented different ways God sends judgment. You remember one of them had to do with famine. One had to do with the scarcity of food. One had to do with disease. Well, this is parallel to that, but it's speaking more of judgments in the natural realm. That is judgments on the physical world. Now, verse 8, And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, here we go again. And the third part of the sea became blood, 
and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Now notice that, that expression, the third part, is used, I believe I read three times there. So again, the point is, God can, can and does send physical judgments, or He sends judgments on this physical earth, and this illustrates the power He has. Now we've never observed in a literal sense a third part of the earth or, the, or a third part of the sea affected by God's judgments. But we can read about a time when the whole world was affected by God's judgment in Noah's day. <laughs> Worldwide flood. But thankfully the Lord promised He will not do that again. You know, it's interesting that it says before the flood, the imagination of every man's heart was only evil continually. And then after the flood, it says something to this effect, that a man's heart is evil from his youth. In other words, it was no different after the flood. Now the flood destroyed a massive amount of wicked people. But the point is, after the flood, the nature of man was no different. And the Bible teaches that as we approach closer to the end of time, it says in the New Testament, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you see, that flood is the ultimate illustration of God's power to send a judgment that affects the whole world. So here we've read about His judgment on the land, and now this judgment in verse 8 says a third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. That's a large number of creatures, isn't it? A third part of the creatures that were in the sea died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, I, history is a subject that I never made good grades in. But you know, there are uh, events in history that illustrate how God can judge the wicked enemies of His people and take them out in a miraculous way. And here's an illustration of that. A third, uh, a third part of the ships were destroyed. So God, in a, as far as judgments on the physical world are concerned, God can send judgments on the land, send judgments on the sea. And verse 10 says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, if a 
if we have uh, our water supply contaminated on a large scale, we're in trouble, aren't we? We're not going to live very long. And here is the water being contaminated. He says, a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. So look at that. Evidently, this speaks of all the fountains and a third part of the rivers. Again, it's not all uh, made bitter. And we'll look at what that word wormwood means in a minute. But again, it was not a complete judgment. It was partial. And see, all of these concepts, they talk about a third, a third, a third, and there's different fractions used in other places are to prepare our minds to appreciate that one day the Lord is coming back and there will be worldwide judgment. And Peter describes that. Let's turn to that uh, just a minute in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Now, th there's not going to be a third part destroyed here. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, that's when it's all destroyed. And that'll be even worse than the judgment of the flood. You know, we've lived fine on the, on the post-flood earth. But there'll be no earth left after this. You may say, well, brother, buddy, the Bible says we look for new heavens and a new earth. That just says heaven is a place. Heaven is not people floating around on clouds. It's a place. Jesus said in my Father's house are many mansions. So heaven's a place. That's the new heavens and the new earth. But as we go back here to Revelation chapter 8, and we see, uh, uh, we see this is, is a partial judgment. Not all the waters are poisoned, but a, a significant part of them are. Now, that word wormwood in verse 11 You'll notice, first of all, it's, it's referring to a star, and the proper name of that star is Wormwood. But then it says, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and that says not a capital W. So here's what he's talking about there. That word Wormwood means bitterness. Figuratively, it can mean calamity. And as it would apply to natural water, it refers to water that has been poisoned. So this star is called Wormwood, capital W. And, and this star is called that because uh, that's the effect it has on the waters. The waters became Wormwood. The waters became contaminated. And again, this is figurative language. The Lord could do this if He wanted to. The Lord can do whatever He wants to. But I believe the purpose here is 
is it like is like it is in much of Revelation is just for you to picture a concept. There's three of them here. God can destroy the earth. God can uh, destroy uh, the sea and the creatures and the ships therein. And God here he talks about he can contaminate the waters. Now there's one more. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. In other words, there is much less daytime. And there are effects of that on people. So all four of these are talking about God is in sovereign control of this natural world. The Bible says He upholdeth all things by the word of His power. Isn't it amazing that the earth... Uh, uh, turns on an, 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 a north-south axis and it rotates in perfect precision around the sun. It doesn't veer off course. doesn't go off in a tangent. It's not sucked into the sun. Uh, you know, there are, there are uh, principles of physics that apply to all of that. But God's the author of the, the principles of physics. You know... Uh, I remember studying Newton law, Newton's laws of gravity. Well, they're God's laws of gravity. Newton just was blessed of God to figure them out. And you know, a lot of those scientists back then that made great discoveries were men that believed in God. And I think it's interesting that the men that believed in God discovered a lot of truths about physics and other things in the natural realm and it seems like the Lord just shuts the light off sometimes on the atheist. That should teach us that we'll probably do better. We'll probably be more successful in life in general if we believe the Lord and believe His Word. Now, all four of these angels who sound a trumpet, and you know a trumpet here I believe is uh, indicating warning. All four of these trumpets, after they're sounded, reveal God's judgments on this physical world. But notice now, in verse 13. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. Now, I don't want to be too repetitive, but I want to say this again. When those first four seals were opened, there were four horses. There wasn't much information given. 
The next three seals covered a lot more scripture, and there was a different focus. Now notice here likewise, he's just used a little bit of information to describe these judgments on the physical world. But now when this uh, next angel sounds, we're going to see that these three judgments are of a different nature. And you remember I said that an interesting difference between the, what's revealed under those last three seals and these last three trumpets is that those last seals refer to heaven's involvement in the affairs of this earth. But these last three trumpets refer to, if you please, hell's involvement in the affairs of this earth. So let me read that verse again. This is after the fourth angel is sounded and the stars and moon and all of that was darkened for a third part of the day. He says in chapter 8, verse 13, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Now that word woe is a strong exclamation of grief. And he says it three times. So we're talking about something here other than judgments on the physical world. This is, this is a different area, a different realm of judgment. And notice he says, in that verse, chapter 8, verse 13, he addresses that the, he says these woes are to the inhabitants of the earth. Now, you'll also see this expression used several times in Revelation. It refers to those that dwell on the earth. This is not referring to everyone in general, it's not referring to God's people in particular, it's primarily referring to those who all they care about is this world. Those that inhabit the earth, those that dwell upon the earth. In Philippians, Paul described them this way, those that mind earthly things. So we won't look at much of this tonight in chapter 9. But here's what we're going to see a lot of information about and that is when these next three trumpets have blown, are blown we're going to see how that which is from beneath is involved in the affairs of this world and lest you say well brother buddy that, that sounds kind of far out well let's go to the literal language of the New Testament look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Did you hear that? You and I are wrestling against the rulers of the darkness of this world. All of us believe there is a real kingdom of God here, don't we? Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. That's one way we can look at the kingdom. One way we look at the kingdom is as the church is the most visible manifestation of the kingdom. The Bible talks about how we are to press into the kingdom. The Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven uh, suffering violence and every man taketh it by force. We all believe as born again children of God that there is a real kingdom of heaven on this earth. And that kingdom of heaven on this earth has its source from eternal heaven where Jesus sits on the right hand of God. That's where the kingdom comes from. That's where we receive this influence that we feel. But see, there are, there, there's a kingdom from beneath that is equally involved in the affairs of this world. Now the influence of that kingdom cannot overpower the kingdom of God. But as far as it's involvement in the affairs and the activities of the wicked, those that mind earthly things, it's a real kingdom made up of the rulers of the darkness of this world. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. You hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses and sins, Here's the way you operated before you were born again. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. What's the course of this world? It's under the influence of the rulers of darkness. If you were not born of the Spirit, you would, be, you would not be under the influence of that kingdom of heaven. You would be under the influence of that kingdom from beneath. And he says, in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Notice that's not disobedient children of God. That's the children of disobedience. That's referring to the offspring of Adam. We inherited the consequences consequences of his disobedience and unless we've been born again we're under the influence of that fallen state so I just want to say one other thing because I want to be mindful of the time and I don't want to start something I can't finish but just let me read a few of those verses starting in chapter 9 and verse 1. And we'll not comment on this, but as we read this, just keep in mind that this is talking about the rulers of the darkness of this world, that influence which comes from beneath. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, 
And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass. See, now we're not talking about judgments on the physical world it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth neither any green thing neither any tree listen now but only those men which have not the seal of god in their foreheads you remember we've already taught that those that have the seal of god in their foreheads that's referring to god's children that have been born again they're sealed by the holy spirit here, notice what he says. Here's what came out of the bottomless pit. And a bottomless pit is a pit that has no bottom. Here's what came out of that bottomless pit. Locust. And they had power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them, commanded the scorpions, that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Here are locusts like scorpions that are sent to harm the men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now let me conclude with just telling you a little bit about scorpions. You say, why, why are these grasshoppers like scorpions? In the United States, most of the scorpions we have here are not like scorpions in Africa and other places. You know, there's over a thousand species of scorpions. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what if somebody told you, I want you to draw and describe a hundred different species of uh, scorpions. You know, we, we wouldn't be able to do it. Well, here's just one little tiny microscopic portion of God's creation, and there's over a thousand species. But see, there are some scorpions in Africa and Asia with extremely painful stings. You know, I watch some fool on YouTube. You know, you see this sometime. I'm going to see what it, watch this now. I'm going to see what it feels like for a scorpion to sting me. Well, it was, he was in America and he just kind of pulled his finger away. It wasn't that painful. But there are scorpions that have extreme, extremely painful stings. Now think about this in a spiritual sense as how God will send judgment on the wicked. I also read that when they sting you in your finger, it stays and fires the pain nerve. It locks the nerve in the own position. You know, when I read all these things about the natural sting of the scorpion, I thought, well, I see why the Lord used scorpions now. They send shooting sensations up your arm. And listen to this. If you bump the place where the scorpion stung you, the pain instantly amplifies. Now, I'm not going to let that scorpion sting me to see what it feels like. But the point of that is that God's judgment will be on the wicked. 
He judges them here from time to time, and one day the judgment will be eternal. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.